You're listening to the Deadly Uncle Podcast. A safe space for deadly uncle conversations. We have Emo Starlight all the way from Satina First Nation. Yes, Emo has experience in the music business. He's got experience with film and video, and he was even on council back in the day. So he tells us a little bit more about that. It's going to be a wonderful show. Okay, uh, my name is Emil Starlight. My Sutina name is Mikadik Adze, means red feet, red foot. And um, I'm from the Sutina Nation. I'm from the Sutina Nation. This is what I was told. I'm from the Sutina Nation when I'm in Calgary. But when I'm with my dad's family, I'm Bush Cree from Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So you grew up in the um, in, in the Alberta area, um, in Calgary, in, in, in Mokinsis is what they say, right? Gutsistse That's what Sutina says. Oh, yeah, man, this is beautiful. We're already learning. I love that. Yeah, it's funny because uh, yeah, I, I um, we, we we call it the exact same thing. It just means the elbow. The oh, elbow. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's where the elbow river and the other elbow and the bow meet. So. So you're a man that's you know um, of many talents. You know, you've been in the art scene, and you've, you know, um, you know, it's always been a part of your life, and. I just wanted to ask you what, you know, steered you towards, you know, that growing up as a teen. And I know that uh, hip hop was was a huge influence on you. And, you know, you and your brother had a group for, for a time. So tell us a little bit about that journey and, and what led you there. Well, it's a, it's a, well, it's a long story. Um, ever That's since okay. We got time. Yeah. Ever since <laughs> I was a kid. Um, I've always been into music, like writing songs when I was a little kid with a fake plastic guitar. And um, and then when I was a little older, 16 to 18, I was in a, in a band, a lead singer for a band. And I was uh, really, like, just always into music. I did the acting thing. I went to Toronto to the Centre for Indigenous Theatre. Uh, so I did acting. Um, and it just wasn't for me. I just, the acting thing wasn't my thing. I mean, I, I love to do it, but it just, I, 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 it didn't, um, it didn't stick like with my brother who's, who's, um, who's, um, who's still currently acting. Um, but yeah, every, it, I kept coming back to music no matter where I was in life, no matter where I was in North America, from I used to live in Toronto for Center for Indigenous Theater, and I, I I lived and did radio in Whitehorse um, when when uh, when I when I lived up there. So, um, and it all kept coming back to music, no matter what I did. Um, music was a was a big uh, thing for me, and uh, I think I keep cutting out. Give me one second. I just have to turn up my mic a little bit. My noise is down. My noise gate is on just a little bit strong. But um, yeah, like I said, I I um, 
kept coming back to music and it's funny that the time um i didn't know my brother was into hip-hop because uh, he was in toronto and i left toronto for my third it was supposed to be my third year i left toronto um to be in whitehorse um and he started writing music and i started writing music and this was around 2001 2002 and yeah we're both and then we just realized we're both doing hip-hop we weren't even like my brother and i are are always really close but this is one of those things that we never talked about so Mm -hmm. i i when i left whitehorse i performed and recorded my first ever song and uh yeah it was called it was called leaving the horse and uh, <laughs> yeah, when they when they start recording, they're like, "Oh, that's gonna be a thing," um, mm-hmm. which I don't think it ever was. So, uh, <laughs> um, so I did that, and then I I went home, um, home heartbroken, but like just you know, my brother is in Toronto doing his thing, um, and so I started I started making um, beats. I started making instrumentals. And my brother came home for Christmas, and that's when we realized we were both doing music. And I was like, what? What the hell? So then, you know, we're just hanging out with the boys, freestyling, um, you know, going out, freestyling at parties, freestyling in the car. And then we just, then we started to um, record. And we recorded on, like, old karaoke those old karaoke boxes where it's just two tape decks. And um, my brother for Christmas, he got a piano. Uh, I think it was like a, like a Korg. Or, Korg is kind of up there, but I think it was like a Yamaha or something from Walmart. And uh, you were able to just play. So he bought me a drum machine uh, for Christmas. And I played with that and I programmed it. And then our first tracks were me literally playing. I had to teach myself how to play piano. I never knew how to play it. So I had to play our instrument, the instrumental right through for as many bars as I could. (laughs) And and then switch the tape and then do the next track, the bass, switch the tape, do the horn, switch the tape, the piano. And if... And if I messed up right at the end of a take, I'd have to yeah, scrap that whole it. thing right from the start. So, I, like that's how I built our tracks. And then um, we did a, we did five songs. I guess you, I guess now you would call it an EP. And uh, and then uh, yeah, we had that. And then I finally like eventually like a year later got a one of those. Uh, I think they're called an emac it was like this it was, it just looked like an egg it was just a oh yeah, yeah i remember yeah. those <laughs> yeah yeah it, it had no fancy colors like those colored ones the imacs but it was, <laughs> yeah. it was just an egg called an emac and so that's what that's what i started making uh our instrumentals on our recordings and and all that and uh yeah we haven't had uh yeah, Kurt, you were there when when I still had the the uh, mattresses for a vocal booth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was yeah, that was towards the end. <laughs> I'm only laughing because I've actually seen that done before. I did Project Wild in 2017, and 
it's a bunch of country artists that went to um bc and they did the same thing in all these rooms as they used mattresses from the the place to build their vocal booths so yeah yeah that's the only reason why i'm laughing because that's i mean you know yeah whatever works right and and it works we had a like a makeshift uh vocal booth and um yeah so so yeah so then i kind of um after that happened and 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 stopped um at the same time I guess I guess I'll get into it because you know there's a lot there's a lot of people that go down the same path as um, um, at the time I didn't realize that I I had a problem with alcohol and so um, you know I thought everything was all good and everything and you know just drinking and and partying and having a good time and you know um, but. Yeah, and my brother he quit he quit drinking, and but I kept going. I kept going, and um, so that kind of uh, you know I didn't um, I didn't stick with music. I just I was just too busy partying and still dabbling a little bit, just you know being um, crazy and, and um, stuff like that. And then so I just kind of. Um, started uh working i took you know all the equipment that i had and so music wasn't a thing anymore um at the time so i got hired by my uncle to do um, stuff with the language program and now it's called the sutina gunaha house this uh sutina language house um at the time it was called sutina gunaha institutes the sutina language institute and so i started taking my skills what i've known from and and i've also been doing like film and video for like since i was like younger than than when i was doing music and so i took the stuff from recording from video and i applied it to um a lot of the language uh the sutina language at the time so i kind of you know i don't you know i don't like to boast but I could say at the time, <laughs> I could say at the time I brought the Sutina language to the digital age. I put it on the, the the internet, the World Wide Web at the time, and there was no other. At the time, it was this was 2011. There was no other um, website that had um, a language. Um, Oh, there was no other language website like the one that I built for the for the Sutina language at the time, and uh, and so it was unique. And these linguists were all like, "Oh, wow, 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 wow!" And so I did that, and then I uh, I started working for the nation. Switched over to the administration side. I, I worked for my chief. Um, I was his assistant. And then um, eventually I got into council uh, in 2014 and I served one term. It was out in 2016. And then I started taking film serious. So I got, I got a camera and, you know, lights and stuff like that. And um, One of my first, first uh, videos of like official paid video was um, a, kind of a documentary out of onion lake 
Um, I don't know the Cree word for the title, but it was called They Stand Strong. Because at the time, during the um, the Transparency Act, when they're trying to get all the First Nations to give up their records, uh, Onion Lake was one of five was one of five nations that said no. No, we don't want to do this. And then when I was in council, I remember that came up and that's what that was my stance is no, let's we don't have to give them any of our information. Why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. So they they fought. So they wanted um they wanted an economic development video. And I I said, you know, I kind of because it was going down this 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 road of like you know they're 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 defiant against the the government and i'm like this needs to be told like you guys already have an economic development video and but this story needs to be told so i got permission from uh their administrator and then their chief and then i talked to different people talked to the lawyer that helped them fight that and yeah so that was back in 2016 17 and um yeah so that was it was called they stand strong i think it's on youtube still on their maybe on their nice their nice. website page i definitely want to uh, check that out that's amazing yeah and then i've i've been always been doing like many like uh videos and films for uh the sutana nation uh gray eagle hotel uh resort and um most recently, I've been doing a lot of stuff with uh, Telus Spark. Um, I just did a, a t- uh, the, did their TVs and telescopes, just a little um, corporate kind of uh, documentary. Not really a doc, but just a corporate video for for Telus Spark. And I'm also working with a group called Many Nations One Voice for Wellness, and it's a hip hop. Um, it's a hip hop. R&B kind of um, infusion about wellness and 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 vaccines and 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 they they talk about the the seven teachings you know um, there's um, humility um, respect love um, well the rest are, are are running from my my brain right now but. So I did a 360 video for their for the Telespark Dome, and that is one of one of two that I did specifically for the dome. Uh, we did a, another video with Telus, uh, another film with Telespark called Blackfoot Skies, and we filmed it with a with a 360 camera, and uh, we were out at Discovery Wildlife, um, and it was it was about the Wolf Trail. So we were actually in, they threw us in a cage with the wolf. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, they, it was funny because they, they, they barred us off with this thing. I thought it was an, a little electric fence. Yeah. The wolf came down and the, the, the trainers were there, you know, um, with little pieces of like hot dog, giving it to them. Okay, go here, go here, go here. Had the camera set up over there. And, uh, at first, when we first got there, like they they showed us the cage, and I was like, oh, "Okay, we could film from here. That's no problem." And then when we got there, our little our little uh, thing was in the cage, and I was like, "Are you kidding? We're we're recording in with the wolf." <laughs> and then they're like, "Oh no, you got this protective thing." 
and then I and then they told me when we we're done that that protective fence wasn't even live. It wasn't uh, electrified or nothing. It was just me <laughs> look like that, and I was like, "Holy crap!" And I was like, "I want danger pay for that." <laughs> the very first thing the wolf did was put like went up to the camera, sniffed it, and then put it in its mouth. So it was wow, like, eh? first shots, and I was like, "Wow." So, <laughs> Yeah, so we, yeah, so we, yeah, so we, we did that. And so there's only two, two films made for the dome. Uh, and it's a, it's a really weird process to, to edit. I'm not, luckily, I'm not editing that one because that one, that would have been the, the one I, I am currently working on and almost finished will be released in March. Um, getting everything right in, in like the dome footage. Um, I only have a screen that's like this big to see. Like I can't, I don't have a dome that I can edit with. Mm-hmm. So long story short, I have to have everything micro like perfect and fitting right and, 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 and look good. Um, so I'm, and I'm currently editing that. And then what's funny is the group of uh, individuals, um, the many nations, one voice crew, uh, consists of uh, uh, rappers, singers, um, storytellers, dancers, poets. So I'm I'm watching these I'm watching these um, artists, these talented artists. Like I'm in the sidelines first, just like you know they're practicing, they're doing their thing, they're singing, and then they you know they start doing the the hip hop that you know they start rapping and then and then. All of a sudden, I find out that um, they they host ciphers, and they have these like, big cipher nights where just a bunch of rappers are are getting together and and just like just freestyling. And it's I'm just like wow, just like watching them do their thing. I'm like, holy That's crap! Amazing. I remember doing that. I remember doing that, and then I'm like, I was I kept saying, oh, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come, and I never like. It was back in June, May, June that I, I kept saying I was going to come, and then finally in November, November maybe September, October. And anyways, I finally went, and I, I was so shy because I've never freestyled in front of anybody, and I, I kind of freestyled to myself. Uh, but then there was a big group of 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 artists and they hand me the mic and i try to hand it off and they're like oh 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 oh, oh. and i'm like for real oh, okay 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 so you know whenever i'm put on the spot i gotta i gotta perform no matter what even if i have nothing to say i gotta try something so <laughs> i just awesome. went with it and i so i sat in the cypher and i did it and people were like wow like him and like not a lot of people know me. And then it's funny at this one, this one event, this this little uh one of our releases for Blackfoot Skies, which was released at the Globe for like just for this for the um actors and fa- friends and family. One of the actors um friends remembers me from New Tribe magazine way back in two thousand nine, two thousand eight. I, I I don't remember, but it was, um, he's like, were you, are you, did, did you used to have a rap group? Or did you used to rap? I was like, yeah. 
Your group was the the the, the bro- Brothers Grimm. It's like, yeah, that's you. That is you. You guys were on that New Tribe magazine, and I was like, yeah, that that was us. He's like, whoa, and he's just this young guy, and he remembers, and he's like, I remember that magazine. He's like, he's like, wow, and and, and I seen you at that. I seen that you were at the Cipher, and and he was like, um, you know, I I I usually go to those. I go to this other one, and, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go to that one soon. And so they had another uh, YYC Cipher Club. And, or cypher club yyc and um he went there and he was like telling them about me and so they're like they're like emily you're 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 a celebrity and i'm like i was like oh yeah and, you know, and it was like it was cool because they you know it's, it's cool to get back into it so now i'm creating i'm getting back into making beats Nice. That's awesome. Who was running that cipher that you went to? Because we we interviewed somebody earlier in in the season that was talking about something really similar. Uh, Dwight, Dwight. Farahat. Oh, Dwight Farahat. He does Tribal Society, I think. Oh, his is his is on fr- on Monday nights, and then okay. uh, there's this artist named Z the Free. She she's the um, I guess the president of YYC cipher or Cipher Club YYC. Okay. And she wow. hosts. Um, they have a they have a cipher club every last Wednesday of the month, but okay. this time they're switching it up, and they're going to have one tomorrow. So um, I'm going to go to that one, and so we'll be all over Instagram. <laughs> That's hey. awesome. Sounds yeah. like there's a lot of opportunity to get involved in in that type of thing where you're at right now. Yeah, in Calgary. Yeah, it was really it was really small back back in the day. There was just my my brother and I. Every once in a while, we'd have like um, artists that grew up here but never claimed to be from Calgary. They were you know rapping with other groups, saying they're from you know Edmonton or or somewhere else. And because Calgary wasn't you know back then wasn't a hip hop place, it was Edmonton was the like the city the city of you know the grimy city, you know. Yeah, <laughs> the place for for hip hop in Alberta was Edmonton. Mm-hmm. We had there was some artists, but there wasn't as many. And uh, oh, my claim to fame for hip hop in Calgary is Dickens Pub. The Brothers Grimm had the first ever hip hop show at Dickens Pub, and then after that, there was a whole bunch of artists. Even D12, Eminem's D12 perform there a bunch of other artists perform there and now it's like a venue for you know they have a lot of hip-hop there and that was like my time awesome. i was like yeah first ever hip-hop at dickens pub it's <laughs> <laughs> awesome how important do you think it is like for the youth to you know and especially our young boys you know our young men coming up to have a, a a space to be able to you know express themselves through through the arts and and also to carry that music on you know to keep that creation going. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, of course, it's it's very important because self expression um, is important. You need to you need to express yourself in some way. Um, I believe. You need to express yourself in some way that is personal to you 
and I'm not saying you have to get out there and express yourself, but find something that you like to do and go with it. If I'm going to give any kind of like advice to, to a younger generation is find something you like to do, go with it. Who cares if other people don't think it's cool. If it's cool to you, it's going to be cool. I mean, yeah. right now, uh, like, look at, look at the back. Look, there's, I have like Superman. I don't know if you could see any of my star. Well, you can see my lightsabers up here, <laughs> all this stuff, Superman, uh, lightsabers, um, Captain America, uh, Ghostbusters, all this back when I was a kid was considered uh, nerdy, considered geeky. Nobody yeah. liked this stuff. Nobody back when I was a kid liked this stuff. But now everybody loves it. There's Comic Cons are like packed. People people love them and, and people know them. And it's like, oh, I know Iron Man. Oh, I know Thor. And it's just like, if you find something you're passionate about, stick with it no matter what. Don't care what other people think. Care about what you think and, and just like go with it because expression is is um, really good medicine, you know? Yeah. I, totally I got two, uh, two things going in my head right now from all of that that you just said. <laughs> Sorry, um, Express Yourself by NWA is rolling in the back of my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you were talking about lightsabers and stuff, it reminded me of Dean, your brother. He used to have this Millennium Falcon when we were kids. Oh. You know, he got every toy. I never got anything. Me neither. <laughs> yeah. That was my cousin Derek. You guys know, you guys probably know Derek Starlight. He had yeah. all the, the, he had all the Star Wars toys. All the He-Man toys, like sounds like Dean. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> going to his place with your with your the few figures you have, yeah, and getting to play with his stuff is like, and and he's such a creative guy. Doing playing uh, toys with him, he would create the stories, so you would be oh, yeah. right in there, and it was like he was so good at he is so good at telling stories that. You just get right into it and it's just like it's reliving the movies and it's just like yeah i used to love i used to love love, love that so at these um cypers that you that you that you go to um do you see a lot of sobriety at these things yeah well the well the one i've just gone to one i haven't been to any other one um um but yeah, the, the last one we were, we were at a like a cafe just in South Calgary. Um, I can't remember the name of the cafe, and there was a there was a like eleven year old uh, girl with her dad, and her dad was just kind of hanging out, and she was part of the cipher. Oh, that's nice. so that was one of, that was one, that was really hard because you know uh, leaning on curse words, using curse yeah. words as a crutch, yeah, it's easy to do. But when I seen that kid there. And my, you know, my older brain, I'm like, I can't say, you know, I can't curse. I, I can't do that because there's a kid here. So that was a good challenge for me because it challenged me not to lean on curse words. It challenged yeah. me to think, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? And then like specifically say, you know, and try to rhyme what I, what I mean to say without yeah. using curse words. 
The reason why I say this is because like a few weeks back uh, during during the, the holiday season, um, I sat down. Remember, we used to have Alberta House at, at Ab Camp there yeah, where we all got together. But there was a lot of alcohol and a lot of drugs and a lot of stuff there that we were used to, you know, growing up. But, yeah. you know, a few weeks back here, I'm sitting with these younger kids, you know, in the same type of situation but without alcohol or drugs. And these wow. kids are like 17, 18 years old playing music without any sort of substance. And I just wow. think it's so awesome to see this new generation and, and what's to come, you know, because we, you know, our relationship to music as indigenous people is it's, it's healing to us. So isn't that amazing? That's why I asked you that question. Isn't it cool to see the sobriety that we didn't really see like a lot of those a lot of those hip hop uh, ciphers that we had back in the day, there was a lot of drugs and alcohol in the room. Yeah. So, well, so, and, and sorry, that that's the only way I would I would perform. That yeah, kind of leads me into my next question for you, Emo. Yeah. I, it's been floating around in my head because I also drank a lot and performed a lot like that, and I don't drink anymore. So, going back to the the cipher, does it trigger you at all? Because you did say earlier that that was a big part of what you did in hip hop was drinking. Right. So does that bring back anything to you? Like the first few times when I was playing, when I was sober, it was tough, you know, like I had to readjust my mindset. And is that something that you're kind of in the process of doing now that you're creating again? Right. Um, right now where it is right now. No, it wasn't triggering, but there, there was a couple of shows my brother and I did. Uh, for some friends, um, there was one show we did, I think it was 2010, 2010 or 11. And we performed our old songs and it was like, you know, everybody was drinking and it was just like, it was weird. We, we could still perform, we could still perform our songs and, but it was kind of like, okay, you know, we're both sober and it was a little uncomfortable. It was, um. Yeah. Actually, yeah, Kurt, you were you were there. I, I asked you if you had the uh, hair gel. My hair was a little wet. And um, it was at Mount Royal. Oh, no, was it? At oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I think it was Mount Royal or so, or somewhere. And um, but yeah, that was uh, that was weird. And then we did um, Dreesus's Red Winter release. Uh, we did two shows with with Dreesus. And, uh, oh no, one for Cowboy Smith and then a couple, like a year later with Dreesus. And those ones weren't as bad. Um, everybody was, you know, everybody that we used to party and drink with was there, but we weren't partying or drinking. But it was just like, it was like, uh, I didn't, I had no, um, I had no, a need to, 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 um, to drink or anything like that when, when we did those performances, because it was just like, well, I, and I got to say, I got a strong foundation because, um, I, I stopped drinking for my wife. Mm. You know, a lot of people say they stop drinking for themselves. I, I can say that, but I'm, that won't be honest. Um, in all honesty, I stopped drinking. My wife was already 20 years sober. And um, when I first met her, 
it was my brothers and I's very first show in Edmonton, uh, performing in Edmonton at the, this place called the Fox. And we were, we asked, we were asked to come out and I was still drinking back then. My brother wasn't. And I met my wife and I was at the bar and well, I first seen her, she was DJing. And when I sat down, I first seen her on, on stage. I was like, holy crap. Wow. And like, I was blown away, like from right from when I seen her. And then, um, we both ended up at the bar at one point, she was getting a Red Bull and I was getting a beer and, um, and the bartender was ignoring her. And, and then I said, I was like, Hey, she was here first. And then she was like, Oh, I'm sorry. So she went and asked her order. And I just, I said, I'll pay for it. And then, so I paid for a drink. And then I was like, you know, and I never get the courage to talk to, to talk to women. I've never had that ability sober. So then I, you know, I was, I was, I had a couple just to, calm the nerves but um i wasn't inebriated and then i finally kind of got the courage and i'm like so how's it going and then she was like good and then she kind of walked away and then i was like oh my god like i was i was uh you know i was like oh that hurt that hurt and i remember going back to the hotel uh with my brother and i'm like i can't believe that happened I, like the one time the one time I get the nerve to talk, you know, to talk to someone I find so beautiful and then she doesn't say anything. And it was just like, and he, and then he was, my brother was like, ah, don't worry about it. She's, you know, you'll never, you'll never see her again. And, uh, yeah. And two years later we were, we were, uh, started talking again. And then a few, five years later we were married so nice yeah and that's when that's when i you know i i i did my thing i kind of did my thing saying goodbye to alcohol um i had my last yahoo um with friends and family like all the people i drink with all the family i drank with it was like this is my last time so after this i'm done and it's just one of those things where you say something to yourself and you got to keep that promise. Mm. So for me, it was, that's what happened. I just, I was, I was done and I was done uh, because it was like, okay, that's enough. Now it's time to move on to your next step in life. And so right. that's when I decided to quit for, for my wife. That's amazing. I did that same thing, but little less, you know, uh, you know, I did it with cigarettes, but I said, you know, once it gets up to $9 and 25 cents, I'm not spending that kind of money. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> My dad did that back when it went to two fifty. dollars <laughs> It was a lot cheaper than you. So Whoa. my partner at the time, we both smoked day eh? and, and uh, the, the smokes went up. And I said, I'm not going to buy one. And she said, well, I'm not going to buy any. So we kind of challenged each other at the same time. But, yeah, it was it was the same thing. I just said it to myself. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. And that's kind of how it worked out for me, too, as well. Yeah. 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 No, I, it's, it's, you know, with music, I couldn't have both, you know. 
I couldn't have alcohol and music together. You know, it just it wasn't working. There was too many times where I almost died, too many uh, parties, like bad things happening to women at parties and you being there, like our, our names being there, that kind of stuff. And I just I just had to shut her down. I just knew it wasn't um, for me, you know. And I had this feeling like I don't have another shot, you know. I, yeah. I feel like... Like if I if I fell off, I would probably die. Like no joke, you know. Like I think that my life would be a lot shorter than than it would be, or I'd be dead right now for sure if I kept on the way I was, like in my twenties, one hundred percent, you know. And and so it's I had to I had to make that choice, you know, between you know your true love and you know the the beast, you know, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's true. Yeah. So, but it's you know. I love drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't do it anymore. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true, right? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I, I like not every time was horrible, but definitely the times that you know, like me getting stabbed, uh, you know, cr almost crashing, falling off of a bridge with my bro Craig First Rider. You know, yeah. like, like just so many different things where I'm getting home and not remembering how your car got home. Yeah. Me and this guy oh doing 150, God. 150 down uh, on a, on a road where there's cars on both sides. We spun three times in my Camaro, bro. We didn't hit either side of the, the <laughs> we just looked at each other. We were facing the other side of the road and we just laughed and I was totally drunk driving at the time. Like, wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, big yeah. lesson. Nobody likes to talk about that, but yeah, that it was a different time, though, right? Like, yeah. we grew up. Our dads drank and drove, like yeah. both our dads. I know they did because I know both our dads. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean that was just kind of the way it was, you know. Like, and it wasn't like you were planning on doing it or whatever. It just happened, right? Like, yeah, and it was the same thing with me. Like at the time, I was on the road with Dallas, you know, and. Uh, um, and, and just, uh, you know, some bad stuff happened when we were at a party and uh, we got a call from a detective, you know. And then, like, after that, it was like, yeah, I'm done. You know, like, I'm done. Yeah. I, I looked at him and I said, I won't I won't have another drop. I'm done. You know, and so we got to uh, Vancouver for our next show. And it was like for the Olympics. And it was this big thing, you know. And uh, they offered us drinks, eh? And and I, it was my first time where I I said no, you know, I'm done, you know. And this was about like five six days after that whole incident had happened, and so um, you know, it was it was a shock. It was a shock for 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 both of us, and it kind of, you know, started us on our separate paths, you know. And it's yeah. just it's just interesting how uh, you know alcohol when when you decide, you know, like not just alcohol, any sort of addiction, you know, when you decide to make that choice, you know, it, it, it kind of shows you who you're, you know, you're, you're, you're meant to be around. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's been wild, man, wild times. And we had some fun. Definitely. We met at uh, Amp Camp and um, Leon Goose is, is, 
is uh, still a good friend of ours. And a lot of Kira Colson, I just just seen her over the weekend, oh, yeah, nice. you know, and uh, yeah. So a lot of people are still around that, that we see from that first app camp. And I think yeah. those those programs are, are really important. Um, one of the uh, what, the last question we want to leave you with here today, and we want to thank you for for coming on here and uh, sharing your story. I think there's a lot of people that can, you know, relate to, you know, something that they love to do within the arts, you know, and, you know, maybe 15, 20 years goes by and you find it, you know, again, and that's, that's amazing, you know, to, and never give up your, um, your, your love for the arts. I, I think that yeah. that's what, what that means. But, I will die with a guitar in my hand. Yeah, for real. My dad, when he was, mm. Like my dad passed away uh, this like last year, and he was still like in his hospital bed. He was looking at me, and I had my guitar, and I was playing him some songs. And he was like, like he had the motion of like, "Give me my guitar, get my guitar, I'll play with you," you know. So yeah. it's a part of us right till we go for sure. Our arts, but uh, we want to ask you how important do you think that it is. For every major city across Turtle Island to have a space within our city limits, not on the outskirts, to be able to have our ceremonies, to be able to have funerals, to be able to have wakes, to be able to have, you know, uh, basically like a church, but for Indigenous people. Um, you know, because a lot of times when we see sweats or, the, or you know, wakes or these type of things, it's always outside of the city. But why isn't there a place right inside the city for the people who don't have vehicles, for people who don't have access to make it out to the sweats in the land? We should be able to have sweats, I believe, right in our city. So what's your opinion on, on that? Um, I think my dad... Uh, his name's Emil DeRocher. He does sweats for Alberta um, Hospital, and I think they I think I don't know if they do or not that they have a sweat site in um, at the university there. Really, that's amazing. And and that's yeah. in Calgary. No, that's in Edmonton. In Edmonton. Oh, that's beautiful. I have heard of the sweat at the Alberta Hospital before. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what they have a few elders, and my dad's he runs one of them. No, and, that's uh, amazing. You yeah. know, because a lot of people don't know about these these um, you know these these situations. You know, because you know, I think like you know, as I've been filming a lot of different churches, like in the major cities and the 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 million dollar buildings, like it, it's just it's just crazy to see and. I just hope to, that we have a place one day where we can have those things, you know, where we can have it open to the public and, yeah. you know, find a way. I know it's, 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 uh, it's easy to say, but it's going to be a hard, uh, you know, thing to make I, happen. I remember they used to, in Calgary, they had the Friendship Center. I don't know if, if they have one of those in Edmonton, in Edmonton but... I remember back well, in the day, since Calgary, the pandemic, yeah. you know, like every most of those organizations are still recovering, right? Like they yeah. haven't had their doors open for two years or whatever. And yeah, but no, I I totally agree. And in Red Deer, there is a site, but it's again, it's in an industrial area, right? And like the Alberta Hospital is way 
outside, like it's on the edge of the city. So it would be tough for mm. like some people without transportation to get to. And, but I mean, it's still there. That, that's yeah. definitely a good thing. Yeah. But um, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and, and that's actually one thing I noticed in Edmonton, like things are kind of spread out all over the place. Yeah. <clears throat> like I remember um, my aunt, um, my late aunt, uh, Doreen got married in Edmonton. And the church that we were at was like catered to uh, First Nations. I don't know the name of the church, but they had like it was like a like a First Nations church. So they had like uh, they had uh, even I think I'm I'm not sure if I remember, but I think even the the stained glass was like uh, like First Nations uh, style, and their cross was like made with like sweet grass and 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 sage and i can't remember where it exactly was but there was a place like that there was a church like that that we went to for her for her um her wedding and um actually and and yeah her um her her wake as well uh or after the funeral um but yeah it seems like it's kind of spread out and it's like there 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 should there should be places and 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 that's actually that's one of the things i want to talk want to say about that was um i remember before um enoch took over their back their hotel my wife and i smudged in there and we almost got kicked out this is when it was a hilton and we were like we're we're like what do you mean like (laughs) well they said they smelled something i was like yeah we were smudging it was it was the morning and we smudge every morning. I was like, "Isn't this a, a First Nations hotel? Like, you guys don't know this?" <laughs> and they were like, "Sir, he's like, no, this is not a First Nations hotel. This is the Hilton." And I was like, "Whoa, okay. Well, we didn't know that. We th- we're we're on a First Nation, so I thought that you guys would learn this, but no, he was giving me attitude like I was in the wrong and like they didn't even want to learn." what we were doing yeah that's horrible well i'm glad that enoch took that back because you know especially like uh, you know on enoch land you know people should definitely you know uh, allow that for sure for sure that's that's crazy crazy stuff well thank you so much emo for for being on the the podcast today you're definitely uh one of the deadly uncles and uh, this we'll be sending you one of these, or I'll come down nice. and I'll I'll hand deliver this to you. But it's uh, called the Deadly Uncle Podcast, and uh, so thank you so much for nice. for being on today. And uh, you know, you've been a good friend of mine, and that's that's kind of what this uh, this is is just to you know shine the light on on our indigenous men because there's. A lack of programming, and and it's it. We can't really, uh, you know, put the pressure on our women to create those spaces. I think it's important for us as Indigenous men to create those spaces for each other. So, thank you so much for being on, brother. Thanks for having me. Nice meeting you, Emil. Yeah, you too. <laughs> Have a good one, bro. Hey, see ya. Peace. You're listening to the Deadly Uncle Podcast. A safe space for deadly uncle conversations.